Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. Ooh, what an episode we got today. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Boy, do we ever have an exciting episode. This is a long overdue uh, so, so, topic so long on overdue. this show. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons why it's taken us so long to get to it is just frankly, this is a game I still haven't beaten. Um, I, I started playing it like a year ago and I started picking it up again recently. And I was just so overwhelmingly blown away by the art direction, the music, everything. Pretty much I everything. I didn't want to ruin my experience of the game by focusing too much on the soundtrack outside of it because i really think this game is so exceptional if you haven't played this either of the ori games Mm -hmm. i I can't recommend them enough yeah i still you know at time of recording have not (laughs) actually played this game yet um but uh, you know we've been working on this playlist here and last night i watched quite a bit of gameplay uh from this game and Oh my God, it's beautiful. I'm really excited to actually get the chance to play it hopefully soon. But yes, today you saw in the title of our episode, we're going to be focusing on the score to Ori and the Blind Forest by the wonderful Gareth Coker. In this game, this score was really what kind of put Gareth on the map when it comes to VGM fans. I think it was at the time the biggest thing he had ever done. Um, And, you know, his career has really blossomed, I think, since this game came out. This game first came out in 2015. Yeah, and uh, it's such a, I think, really monumental title, not just because it is very well reviewed and Mm -hmm. in this sort of genre, I guess uh, some people would categorize it as a Metroidvania because of its retraversal exploration. Some people would call it a a cinematic platformer because of its sort of narrative through gameplay and but it's it strikes this beautiful mix. But musically, uh, among other aspects, this series really borrows a lot of influence it seems from the legend of zelda and sort of 16-bit maybe rpg or fantasy yet the gameplay and mechanics of ori uh play a lot more like metroid that you're gradually powering up and traversing this interconnected vast world um it's so mechanically metroid but in terms of aesthetic and tone more like zelda well i think you're going to hear that in gareth coker's incredible soundtrack absolutely we will hear modalities melodic ideas kind of uh, textures and sounds that we might associate with fantasy or Zelda, that kind of melodic and emotional style. Yeah, I think Gareth strikes such a perfect balance in the score because the music feels familiar emotionally. It reminds us of things we've heard before, but the way that he puts it all together and the quality and the potency of his melodies uh, really make it stand on its own and make it feel very unique. Well, what I'm fascinated about as we go through this episode today is uh, finding moments where we can uh, acknowledge, uh, because much like when you play the game, it's going to make you feel reminiscent of other games. Right. And so I think as we go through this soundtrack, we might hear moments that say, oh, I wonder if this 
could have been an influence or that could have been an influence. But the other Fun thing that's ponder. fascinating is it could just be the nature of a game like this and a story told in this sort of fable folktale way might just lend to similar musical decisions that other great video game composers have leaned on in the past. It's very true. So um, I'm sure a lot of you are very familiar with the score. And if you're not, you guys are in for a treat. The score is a total of 32 tracks, and so we did have to make some some edits and some whittling down. We don't have time to play everything today. Um, if you enjoy what you hear, definitely purchase the entire thing. What you heard playing in was Calling Out, and we're going to move on now to one of the most important themes in the game. Will can hopefully provide a little context after we play this. We're going to play the whole thing because it's fairly short. It's called Ori Lost in the Storm. Let's take a listen. guys just listened to Ori Lost in the Storm, a beautiful start to this episode. This music is composed by Gareth Coker. Uh, this particular track, uh, actually quite a few on the score, features Aureli Brighton. There's a lot of wonderful solo instrumentalists that uh, maybe near the end of the episode we can give a shout out to some of, the, some of their crediting. But um, <laughs> God, I was blown away when I, when I heard this. I mean, I was expecting this score to be really pretty and textural and fitting, but I was not expecting the melodies to hit me as hard as they did. Yeah, and that's what's so amazing. And one of the things that we will highlight on today's episode is Gareth Coker is among a lot of things, he's an exceptional melodist. And he scored this game in a very traditional style. I've heard him speak about this before, that it was a very conscious decision to score Ori like you know, in the same way that Super Metroid or other 16-bit games, the music is all locational or event-based. So Such you go a good to idea. an area and you have a loopable piece of music or there's a scripted sequence that occurs that way. But where so many modern games are exploring, and rightly so, exploring all the ways that um, music and sound can be integrated in this micro level where you have stems and layers of a track as well as certain cells that interact to gameplay material. But this is very old school. It's just loopable music, but that allows Gareth to really craft these emotional arcs in the piece of music. It's true, and what I love about that is <laughs> that style, that traditional style of, of VGM composing is still alive and it's still thriving and fresh and you can still do it with real players real orchestra like it doesn't it doesn't have to be 
the more dynamic approach that I don't want to say is the norm, but it's definitely very popular these right. days. So I love that. Well, I also think you have to think about one of the, what is also so fascinating to me about Ori is it really does feel on so many levels, such a love letter to Nintendo games, mm-hmm. Zelda, but Metroid, especially and part yeah. of the aesthetic of Metroid sometimes can be awe or fear in wonder of this giant landscape that you're exploring for the first time. And I think the best way to capture, that sense of awe or wonder or mystery really is with melody is with some sort of tune and you need enough you know runway musically to be able to create things the piece that we just listened to is from the opening of the game which is a yeah. narrative sequence um, but the whole opening of the game does a really great job of uh, mixing between you know gameplay interaction in this brief sort of tutorial segment but it's all interwoven with the story and the art and the music Music. It's, yeah, and, and, it's, and the it's last really thing tastefully done. that I particularly enjoyed, not just about this track, but we'll hear it, uh, you know, every so often, is um, this features wonderful wordless vocals, which I think are yes. so emotional and tasteful. And yeah, that is a definite motif of the whole score of that kind of yeah. wordless vocal. I think taps into the mystery and the sort of feeling of nature. Well, let's keep going because we've got a lot of great music to get to today. Uh, For the most part, this is uh, soundtrack order with, you know, some some things that we had to cut, obviously. Uh, The next piece we're playing is called Naru Embracing the Light. guys are listening to naru embracing the light from ori it is so sweet so beautiful so unique i am such a fan of this soundtrack i think before quite a while ago i had listened to a handful of tracks marty even brought one in a long time ago i think on a show and tell um so i was familiar with it but i never dove into the whole thing until recently and Man, that was dumb of me <laughs> to wait as long as I did. Uh, this particular track, we can kind of just say it as we go, features Rachel Mellis, and Rachel on the score provided Bansuri, recorder, as well as alto flute performance. So one of the many talented instrumentalists featured on the score. Yeah. One of my favorite things about Ori is, despite how we described it, it's a very traditional approach to interactivity in game music, and we already described how melodic it is. But something that I really love that Gareth Coker does in terms of his arrangement, his form, and his structure of these compositions is that they really do tell quite a story, despite the fact that most of this music requires the necessity for loop points mm-hmm. and you know that the music can 
and like a like classic game music but the the style of his writing uh i think is a, a little bit further or more immersive and um sort of daring than i think a lot of composers were willing to go in the 8 and 16 bit era and some of that was for good reason uh but it's interesting these these forms it almost sounds like this halfway point between video game music and film scores Absolutely. i really like the the small chamber sound as well of like you know instrumental soloists with this sort of background bed of strings and synths. Something that I imagine I'm going to say a lot today is I love the mix that I experience when listening to the score. There's so many things that are mixed together when it comes to the production, when it comes to the composition. It's just, uh, it's such a unique mix of so many different influences. Uh, Really beautiful stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. If I could describe the whole score and game in one word, it's just natural. Everything feels Mm. so natural. The music fits with the gameplay. It does feel a perfect way. You notice it, and it's beautiful, but it's also also natural. natural. And that the theme of nature is like a big component. Not just natural when it comes to how how it how you're experiencing it when you hear it but it's it's reminiscent of nature uh let's move on the next track we're gonna play is called the blinded forest Wow, you guys are listening to The Blinded Forest in awe of this music. This piece and really this score has it all. I think it has something for everyone. There's so many other scores out there that they might start off similarly, where they're opening this very subtle bed of texture and ambiance, but where Gareth takes piece after piece in Ori, it, he takes it to places and heights that is not the norm for his you know his counterparts out there yeah i mean this track is a great example of that it has the atmosphere it has the vibe that is i don't want to say common uh, for modern video game music but it also has melodies it also just has emotion so much emotion yeah i mean it is to me it's like 
East meets West in the Truly. same way that David Wise has that. It, it would almost be like, you know, you put Joe Hisaishi and Thomas Newman into a blender or something. Like <laughs> that is just absolutely really spot great on, balance of aesthetic decisions that there is synth, there is electronic components to, to these pieces, and there are virtual instrument components to a lot of the music. But I think it's done and it's all executed with so much finesse and intention you never get that sort of stark contrast that we're so used to in Nintendo oh, games where it's like you have the full orchestra pieces and then you have the really sort it's of crummy just such sounding a treat. stuff. I just, oh man, it spoils me. Well, let's keep going. Man, you totally nailed it. We're going to have to call it like Numenishi or something. Uh, <laughs> that is just perfect. Okay, let's move on. I don't even know how to say this uh, track name. Inspiriting? <laughs> it's like Inspire... Um, Maybe like it's inspire inspiriting. Up the past. Inspiriting, yeah, yeah. Inspiriting, <laughs> okay. Uh, from Ori in the Blind Forest. Let's take a listen. just listened to inspiriting from ori composed by gareth coker also orchestrated by gareth as well featuring a lot of outstanding musicians we'll give some more credits later to that i really love the sound of the piano in the score whether it's really going for that ambient kind of creepy piano sound that i'm sure has a lot of post effects on it or something a little more straightforward just the sounds and the tones yeah, and <laughs> the this, way it's all engineered, because the, the piano not only does it sound filtered, but it sounds roomy, and it literally sounds like you have the room mics isolated. The yeah. stereo field is very wide, very so wide. I almost, got the almost I got the sensation that the piano was behind kind of me. Yeah, yeah. Like it seemed like the piano was behind, so it was a really cool effect. And then, man, w- when he opens up to the full orchestra, uh, it, it's this great thing because you get sort of used to the soundtrack and in the game, especially that it's like. This game has incredibly tender music, really beautiful, pianistic, melodic Mm -hmm. compositions that are atmospheric. Uh, But then when you hear the expanse of the orchestra of what 
uh, Gareth Coker is capable of, but also what the the promise of what this game's soundtrack and sort of spirit of adventure will lead you to. Those moments yeah, I are mean, so exciting in the game where you feel like you get to see how large the forest is or you get to feel right. the weight of the just scope the of this game. Like, this isn't just a little indie title. This is a serious epic. And I love how he tastefully uses that in just a couple key moments. I think there's many aspects that Gareth knocked out of the park in the score. But but one that's maybe more strong than anything else is how he makes atmospheric music very engaging and memorable. Yeah. Something that sticks with you. I mean, he should really he should teach a class on how to make atmospheric score because it, it it's better than most other atmospheric modern score that you hear. Because I don't know something well, and- about it. Maybe it is the melodies, but something about it is so much more engaging to me. Well, and the thing that came up when, uh, you know, Carl and I were listening through the soundtrack the other day was just you hear that balance of Zelda and Metroid aesthetically, where it's like melancholic, simply simple harmonically and modal Mm -hmm. like Metroid. Yet then there's this like kind of interesting melodic figure or this very sort of Gaelic, folky, simple tune thing that feels very reminiscent of Zelda. And that, yeah, that like I really feel like you can look at the whole soundtrack. It's probably not the most optimal way to look at it. And I'm not saying anything's kind of like a ripoff or too close to one another thing's style, but it just it's something that I was reminded of and it carries through the whole spirit of the game that it's kind of like a Zelda aesthetic on a Metroid style game. Well, the next track we're going to move to has one of my favorite melodies in the game and you have to stick with this one because I think it takes a little bit for that melody to come in. Um, But it's, it's a standout track for me personally. It's First Steps into Sunken Glades.
just phenomenal music. My favorite so far of the day, one of my favorites of the whole score. This is First Steps into Sunken Glades, composed by Gareth Coker. Oh my god, the melody is just so beautiful, and the piece is so emotional and so vibey. It's, this one definitely screams Metroid to me. I would not be surprised yeah. if there was some sort of influence from that series, yeah, the, but he really use- makes it his own. Yeah, the use of the the sound of sort of the Phrygian mode, where there's that half step relationship between the tonic and the second scale degree, right. that is, is distinctive. I'd say both to the Zelda and Metroid series. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the sort of darkness of Twilight Princess's music features that Phrygian mode, uh, and it, yeah, it's a big part of if you think of the like uh, Brinstar Red Earth or the lower Brinstar from Super Metroid, uh, the yeah. half-step relationship, flat two to one kind of sound is here. But it's just such tender and interesting writing. What I love is that the music is able to be atmospheric and vibey. It moves slowly. It's a very long line. Mm-hmm. Yet it still feels melodic and memorable because the pitches that Coker chooses are really distinct and interesting. Yeah. And there's that idea of simple repetition. Yeah, da, 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 well, yeah, another, yeah, another thing that da, has da. to be said is, you, you know, everyone out there, we can't play this whole thing, but listen to this entire track. I mean, the way that it builds and the way that he, he adds more textures on top of, it's right. kind of like you have one layer and you keep adding things on top, is so masterful. I mean, this this might be maybe my favorite track on the score it's up there it's definitely my top well it's it's one of the most impactful pieces of music in the game because chronologically this is from my memory the first point in the game when it really feels like it starts at least one of the first to landing on planet zebus and super metroid let's move uh to the next track we're going to play it's the spirit tree another track that features airily brighton on vocals let's take a listen You guys are listening to The Spirit Tree featuring Airely Brighton. One of the most important themes in the game, even when you're listening to the score, you can tell that. Um, but Will's uh, mentioning to me that this is basically the same music uh, that is played over the title screen. It might be a, a slightly different recording, but yeah. Well, in it's a, different, a killer, uh, it's, killer melody. It's more or less the same kind of arrangement of, of piano, yeah. strings, and voice for I love that, that arrangement. tune. But and again, it, it's wordless. Is- like, the way that this singer is able to blend and to be this, like, ethereal pad to the piano is phenomenal. 
Yeah, and the other interesting thing is this is really like the main theme of the game, and not sure. only it plays over the title sequence, but it it comes up more than any other motif in the we'll game. We'll hear it a lot. And what's interesting is he does subtle ways of varying it. You'll hear variations based on different meters. You'll hear variations based on developments of the melody. Mm-hmm. Other sections, sometimes we'll go into a B section, or sometimes we'll change the end of a melodic phrase, or omit a note, or, you know, it's all very subtle, but he still manages to make it recognizable. So every time you hear this, whether it's the Ori theme or the theme of the spirit tree, who's kind of like the narrator, yeah. um, ever present force over the entire game. Well, Will, I don't know if you'd agree with me, but in this, I have a feeling, was intentional. Um, this melody has that quality that makes it feel like a legendary fairy tale, like passed down from generation and like everyone knows this tune and it's like a living, breathing part of the world. Yeah, and it and that has to come from a place of simplicity. Uh, this is a melody that's simple to sing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's simple to remember, but these are sometimes we have to remember, especially to those of you who aren't composers, is these are sometimes the hardest things to write. Indeed. Uh, let's move on to another beautiful piece. Uh, this is Kuro's Tale 1, Her Rage. Here we go. Definitely feeling her rage. You guys just listened to Kuro's Tale 1. And rage, but tragedy, sadness, however you want to slice it, pure emotion. This is an incredibly emotional piece of music. Uh, This is something that he does time and time again, and it's always powerful in the scores when he opens things up with a big crescendo. Um, Really great orchestral percussion um, in this track that I think is one of the strongest things to evoke rage. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like I the tam-tam. Think, I, I love the way that some of these motifs that we become familiar with in the score, the way they're in a very tastefully being, uh, you know, reharmonized or slightly interpolated for the specific emotions of this sequence. Uh, this accompanies a, a narrative moment, sort of a, a cutscene, I guess, uh, that is really the first time that gives you some amount of backstory to who up until this point in the game has been the primary antagonist. Right. And it allows you to take sort of a, a sympathetic look at her. She's this giant owl, basically. 
um, and the story eventually un- unfolds. Uh, but this is sort of a moment where you get to learn some of her pathos. Mm-hmm. And I-, I think the the scope of Gareth's music is really what is needed to sell that moment. Not that the narrative prose isn't good, not that the art direction isn't, you know, spellbinding, but I think his music and the scope that it reaches definitely transcends any other aspect of what's creating that moment. And I just love not only that he's capable of doing that, but that he was given and offered the runway to be able to compose such a, a, a large moment in that way and to really be driving the emotions in the same way that you know classic films well they, he's, they here's really the thing is Gareth, the bombast for Gareth the emotional is, moments he's not wasting any opportunity he's not wasting any second of this experience there's there's a lot of games where the music played during a cutscene might be less amazing than some of the in-game music or maybe just less memorable. Uh, Some of the most powerful moments, you know, this is one of the most emotional moments we've heard so far and it comes from a cutscene. So I think he's just definitely using every opportunity he has and taking things as far as they could ever go. Let's move on to another location theme. I love this one. It's Down the Moon Grotto. You guys are listening to Down the Moon Grotto. Uh, when we listened to this together, Will One and my reaction, we were definitely feeling some Kenji Yamamoto vibes on this one for sure. Oh man, it's beautiful and tragic. It's the emotion that I felt when I was playing Prime and I got to the underwater crashed frigate. It's it's definitely that emotion. Um, so I, th- I think it's, it's another moment where to me, I'm hearing some Metroid influence, but that could totally just be me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I also think the thing that is so fascinating about music is oftentimes people say they can hear influence, but really... That's just what's you're so bringing that to it. But also, I think it's like what's interesting about music is that it it's made up of these discrete elements. 
and all of these elements can potentially come together to create a style or mm-hmm. kind of be part of a shared genre or something. Well, you can do that um, parallel, right? Like but, there's so yeah. many times I'll get a YouTube comment and be like, oh, this is definitely inspired by this track, this pop track or R&B track. And so many times I had, you know, never heard that before. Right. And that's a good point. And I think in media music, oftentimes your goals are to create a type of feeling that may be common to a lot of other stories. And, you know, Mm -hmm. while a lot of our associations to those moods and the music we relate them to are um, very much cultural, there is a limit to the amount of intelligible ways you can express yourself musically to create the same emotion. And so I think the use of the Dorian mode here uh, definitely evokes a lot of the things that the Prime series does, regardless of the modes. You know, we talked about Phrygian. There's also the Aeolian Natural Minor, I think is a big part of the Prime series sound. But that doesn't get to it because just because something's in a scale, I mean, we talk about Dorian all the time. It doesn't necessarily make us think. It, it's all these elements. It's the yeah, mixture sure. of... Uh, atmosphere and melody that melodic ambiance that we've associated with composers like kenji yamamoto and david wise and that gareth is definitely a master of let's move on to for me one of the most imaginative tracks that i (laughs) heard when i first listened to the score it's the ancestral trees here we go Absolutely beautiful. You guys are listening to The Ancestral Trees from Ori in the Blind Forest. And um, we didn't mention this before, but it's probably worth mentioning uh, that this game was developed by Moon Studios. Uh, I believe they're based in Vienna. Um, and so what a great collaboration that was with composer Gareth Coker. This is beautiful. I mean- Incredible. And the thing that's amazing about Ori is the game actually deserves this music. Like, what is what is happening around the music? It warrants this. And the music, they 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 all elevate each other in this beautiful way. But I mean, in, in some of the things that we're saying may be obvious or not obvious to some of you listening, but I, I just have to call out how incredible this music is and how Japanese it sounds. Like, it 
really sounds like Gareth, yeah, it was boggling if he's not my mind. influenced specifically by Metroid and Zelda, he's very influenced by Japanese composers, whether for mm-hmm. film or anime or And here's here's the whatever. thought that I love is even if that's not intentional or <laughs> conscious, it's definitely at the very least someone who grew up loving those games and soundtracks. And that's maybe sept its way into his music. In any case, it's, but I also it's a think it's thing. like, in addition to the melodies, in addition to the harmonies, the way he writes for the orchestra, doubling melodies with kind of octave right hand piano with it's a lot of pedal and it's very lyrical. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's such a sound that really I think a lot of Western composers would consider too cliche or too overindulging in emotion. And I think a lot of times, frankly, too that's sweet. to their detriment uh, because there's so much potential and emotional power locked behind those doors if you never allow yourself to indulge in those moments of emotion. It's so true. Let's move on to the next piece we're going to play. And again, we don't have time for everything. So if you... For some reason, are not familiar with this score and are enjoying this episode. Listen to the whole thing, folks. Um, you can. I would suggest getting it on Bandcamp. Uh, Bandcamp is definitely the best when it comes to how much the composers receive. Yeah. So that's just a shout out. <laughs> if you're gonna buy the soundtrack, buy it on Bandcamp. I'm sure Gareth would appreciate it. Uh, let's play Gumo's Hideout. You guys are listening to Gumo's Hideout, composed by Gareth Coker. So, Will, remind me the context of Gumo and of this piece of music, if you can recall. Yeah, so Gumo uh, is the name of a a sort of character, but I think it's also the name of that like race of creature. Okay. It basically looks kind of like... Uh, Charlie Day's character from Monsters University, <laughs> just like these yeah. big legs and arms that sort of hang I loved down. That character. And at one point, you first encounter him, and he's just sort of like it's like Knuckles in Sonic Three. He's just a right. Dickens that he takes something that you wanted to get <laughs> and inconveniences you. He's and a little Ori is nice to him in a moment when he gets you know hurt and uh they sort of develop this little video game friendship there's no words it's all just like through gameplay but it's very kind of cute but eventually you get to a point in the game where you discover 
why Gumo was trying to steal this. I, maybe it was food or something, and you realize, like, you know, he's like the last of his kind. And well, I love that this... depth. It, it From what you're saying, well, it seems like they do that a couple times in this game, like character depth, you know, history, learning more. And that's always so effective in movies or yeah, games. When and you learning can about depth. it through gameplay. Um, and right. It's, it's really cool. And it, so basically this Gumo's hideout is this very icy area where you can see a lot of, you know, the frozen corpses of the like a lot of the gumo people all right Um, well the next track we're gonna play i'm excited i've been waiting for a long time for it because it might be the most exciting musical moment on the score definitely up there uh it's a short piece of music and will was uh mentioning to me that this is definitely an action part of the game we're gonna play the whole thing it's breaking through the trap So exciting. That was Breaking Through the Trap from Ori. I really was wowed by that track. I love the writing. It is reminiscent of a lot of action music that I have heard before, but I don't know, some of that over-the-bar stuff, those really fast lines on the strings were just very unique and definitely very memorable. I was a big fan of this. I really love the use of fourth-based kind of quartal harmony. Yeah. Very very reminiscent of... But again, it's very Japanese. Like, it reminds me of the Girahim music from Skyward Sword, or even it reminds me of some of the music against the Guardians from Breath of the Wild. Absolutely. There's a certain sound. The mix of the piano in action music is a really cool thing of... It, because it, it's percussive, so it can add. Uh, I I just I love piano in action situations like this, where it actually it mutes some of the ferocity of it, yeah. which is good. Because in this yeah, context, absolutely. this isn't like, and this is something Ori does so well for all of its more action-oriented sequences, uh, boss fights. There's not really a lot in the way of like boss encounters in the hmm. Ori games, uh, but. In terms of like the more high actiony sequences, they do a great job of not becoming cliche in in the sense that a lot of game music does, where it's not just scoring the action or what the player is doing. Right. It becomes an emotional climax as well. Yeah, that's well. what I so love we'll about the hear score. Other melodies and tunes be reinterpolated or feel like this action music opens into a really emotional chorus, and I, yeah. I love how he he does that. So it makes all the music of the game feel thematically linked. Yet you know 
some of the music gets your blood pumping and some is just atmosphere, but it, it never loses its sensitivity to narrative and the emotion that you're supposed to be feeling. I think one thing that Will and myself <laughs> were kind of feeling when listening to the score, and, and I think for Will when playing the game too, is, man, Gareth should have been added to the composer's list of uh, Breath of the Wild. That would have been <laughs> that would have been a really <laughs> nice addition. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he'll, maybe he'll be working on the sequel. No, I, I don't think so, but... God, I love his music. It's so exciting. Uh, let's now move on to my personal favorite, I think I've decided, of the score. this We haven't decided track of the week. This would be my my humble vote. So we'll have to kind of decide maybe at the end of the episode. This is such a good piece of music. It's Restoring the Light, Facing the Dark. I can't get over how much I love this track. It's phenomenal. It's my favorite. Personally, from the score, it's Restoring the Light, Facing the Dark. I will say that it's like the lead single of this game. It's just a little bit catchier, a little bit more exciting, but it doesn't lose its special Ori identity. It's still incredibly well, and emotional and sweet. It's another use of that main Ori yeah, spirit tree absolutely. theme. It's maybe my favorite use of it. But then it adds this new melodic hook. It's like, I don't know. I think it's pretty popular, but I wouldn't be surprised if this was the most popular track of the game it's well, like this kind of might be the megalovania of this game this is a, a track in the game that happens multiple times and it also is featured over the most difficult sequences in the yeah. game whether it's like rising water you have to escape or deadly purple colored energy or, or crashing crumbling rocks but this music it's is always like these really difficult up. execution based challenges and this music just loops over and over and over so it's like i have this visceral association of it of kind of like oh those sequences are so hard yeah. but this is w- what i mean is i love how he layers so much emotion and character into so that way this music isn't about crumbling rocks and rushing water and deft jumps mm-hmm. it's about the character of ori yep. and what he's emotionally experiencing in the arrangement in the scope and the percussion and that all needs of to it, happen more that makes it feel epic and exciting but like the the emotional core of the music is about him as 
as a character and i think that's so beautiful and it also helps that that it's another thing that the game does so well is that you can have the mechanics of a game that we're familiar with but give you a completely different feeling when you give us a context for the world and now this isn't just some nameless non-player character now we've seen some of the pain of what they've struggled so we actually have an emotional relationship with them and i think gareth in his score is the last puzzle piece i think in (laughs) in making that possible you know absolutely man it's just so great uh the next track is is interesting it's another variation on the main theme but it's maybe the most ominous time that we hear some sort of tweaking of that main melody this is escaping the ruins guys are listening to escaping the ruins by the wonderful gareth coker and this is one of the many tracks that features so many different changes of emotion and energy it's it's pretty wild i love this yeah i mean there's just so much to praise about this because really when you listen to a piece of music like this there's so much going on this this music is is like four dimensional or something. There's like so many ways to think about it. Well, there's also because, just a, quite a journey that the piece takes. There's a lot of change. Yeah. Well, not only that, but just that it's like the composition under the hood, like the kind of thing you would sketch out, you know, with a pencil and paper right at the piano. It it, it has a really functional element to getting your blood pumping and having this kind of. Again, another action-y escape type sequence, very similar to Restoring the Light, Facing the Dark. Yep. Uh, Yet, the way he's arranged it says so much about the location. The use of some of the interesting ethnic instruments, his, his very fine attention to detail with production, which instruments get a lot of reverb and which gets sent, you know, into the reverb more. It's kind so of a track by track back. basis. Like, it's yeah, like, okay, he, what does this moment need? Right. Everything has that fine, you know, attention to detail. But I love that he brings those elements in that we may have come to be familiar with in Mm -hmm. sort of the location-based themes and utilizes those textures and colors in the action-based cues. And it just makes a piece of music like this so specific and distinct. And this is what I think is just, yeah, it's so exceptional for anyone who's interested in writing music for games, for films, for anything. 
it's a great example of how establishing your ensemble, even though it can change from place to place, it can really save you when it comes to avoiding some cliches and tropes. It's true. The one last thing I wanted to say is that one of my favorite things about the score is what Gareth doesn't add, what he doesn't do, I think, that a lot of other composers would do. Um, That's just what makes it so unique. Uh, Let's move on to the next track that we're going to play. It's Riding the Wind, and this is a good time to give a shout-out to some of the instrumentalists featured on this score. We have Arali Brighton on vocals. We have Rachel Mellis on multiple different woodwind instruments. We have Tom Boyd on oboe. And then the overall orchestra, it's the Nashville Music Scoring Orchestra. So little shout outs there. Let's move on to Riding the Wind. You guys are listening to Riding the Wind. This one features Rachel Mellis, of course, composed by Gareth Coker. Yeah, I mean, the the thing when listening to the score that just hits you over the face time and time and time again, at to- even, you know, in moments that surprise you, is emotion, depth of emotion and potency of emotion. I mean, these tracks are tragic and beautiful and imaginative and scary and so many different emotions sometimes six different emotions in you know three minutes it's absolutely wild but it's such a a thrilling ride even just listening to the score yeah i i completely agree and the thing that i think is amazing about ori none of the music from my perspective playing the game ever seems to wear on you or grow tiresome there's no way it could it's just way too good for that (laughs) there's there's a there's a decent amount of variety but there's just such fascinatingly beautiful and interesting i'm not surprised under the hood that you say that because yes this stuff at least a lot of it loops but they're long forms you know like it might be a three minute loop or a two and a half minute loop it's not you know it's not like he's doing 40 second loops yeah, I think the biggest thing and why it feels more evocative of old school game music is just that it's tuneful and a lot of the 
even though the tracks play out a little more like score, where they take a tune and turn it into a motif, you get the sense that there's like a song form version of all these melodies, like a lead sheet simple version. And what I think is so cool about what Gareth Coker's done with this score, if that's why it does remind me more of Metroid than Zelda. Uh, right. And if it does remind me of Zelda, it makes me think of the more recent Zeldas, the ones that do kind of a lot of what Ori is doing here. But I think um, what I love about Zelda music is how melodic it is and how direct its themes are. And what I think is cool about what Gareth Coker's done here with Ori is the implementation is very simple, but the composition has actually more complexity than you might think. Oh, absolutely. Because even though it features these simple melodies and these, you know, kind of beautiful uh, tunes, the compositions, they have this meandering, wandering quality, often with different sections and moments that are more textural. Well, we've said this before, but it's like every way you slice it, this score by Gareth is such a beautiful balance that dances this really interesting dance and if you're talking about complexity and simplicity i mean yeah it's it's just a really fine balance of that as well uh let's move on we're approaching the end and that's the name of this track approaching the end here we go You guys listening to Approaching the End. You just listened to that. <laughs> uh, featuring, again, Arali Brighton on gorgeous vocals. And I just, I love so much how her vocals are used on the score. I love what she's singing, what she's doubling, how it's mixed, how it's produced, uh, the effects that are added. It just, God is tasteful and imaginative and beautiful. Yeah, and I, I, I just... It's, it makes me so happy to see a Western composer indulge in these kinds of chord progressions, in these kinds of melodies, this kind of arrangement, because I think it is undeniably beautiful to those of us who appreciate this kind of music, but I think even just to the average person, there's so much nostalgia that I think a lot of people would get from this kind of music. And it's self-evidently beautiful, but it's a con- it's a style that for most people in the West, they shy away from it out of fear or pride or genuine well, kind of disinterest. Well, but this might be that- my my bias or my particular perspective but i feel like it's very timeless and universal yeah to me yeah i agree and i think it just the 
there's so many things about it that are lovely, but it just feels there's a lack of insecurity about it. It just feel yeah, it's timeless. It it reminds me of um yeah, I mean anything that kind of can stand on its own outside of the the particular era and culture in which it was made. I mean like I love Bruno Mars' last album, the one with, you know, 24 karat magic and everything. Uh, because it's like, when you listen to that stuff, some tracks feel like, oh, this is totally, you know, 1987, or this actually sounds like 1994 pop music. And it's like, there's this, abil- there's this quality where it just really doesn't care what year it is. It's just interested in the music that it's, right. that it has to share. Well, I'm already excited for, <laughs> you know, doing a spotlight on the follow-up. We can just basically guarantee that we'll be doing that at some point. Uh, this next track was a real standout for me. Uh, I believe this is the one I'm thinking of, the, the really cool one that's in five. Really exciting. Uh, this is The Crumbling Path. You guys are listening to The Crumbling Path from Ori in the Blind Forest. Wow. Yeah, this this was one of the many highlights for me when, when listening to the score. I mean, I think one of the things that was particularly effective for me when listening through was the contrast in kind of tempo and drive. Most of the music seemed to be not as driving and percussive um, and so the, the moments like this, which feel more actiony or just more bombastic, they really did wow me. But part of why they wowed me is because they felt so cohesive with the whole world. I mean, that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Like, I feel like other composers would maybe take a moment like this a little further. And I think they would go maybe too far. Yeah. And what I love about the contrast of Ori in the Blind Forest is that it's not too extreme yeah and what you know what's so interesting about this genre and i know marty always hates terms like metroidvania because he just <laughs> hates how self-referential game culture is and that it very right. much excludes people and i agree it's a stupid term but uh it, it, the, what's interesting about music in a metroidvania style is the <laughs> to you me just the go on to use the term thing, yeah, it, but to me, the most interesting thing about if you examine all the music isn't necessarily what's similar musically, but all the different ways in which music is implemented in those games. 
For instance, if you take the Metroid series alone, each one of them implements music in kind of a different way. Like compare Super Metroid in Fusion. Fusion's approach is more like a film score where, yes, there are area and locational things, but sometimes the overarching narrative almost trumps that music. And right. Samus is meant to feel empowered or scared or anxious and based on knowledge you have of the world. And it's fascinating that, you know, something like Ori in the Blind Forest doesn't really do that. The music for the areas is the music music for the areas there yeah. un, unless there's some you know uh moment way late in the game that i don't know about that allows you to go <laughs> over the areas you've already yeah, well, hasn't finished with a completely different score uh, but I also just think it's a great reminder that, you know, there's a reason why location-based cues in gaming have been around for so long. And it's because it's the first it's thing that I think a lot of composers would it. think of. And it's, yeah, it's so effective. I mean, it all goes back to Super Mario Brothers, really, if you think about just the stark contrast. We've already had so much emotion. And this next track, holy moly, let's hope we can survive it. Um, we're really approaching the end of our episode Fleeing Kuro from Ori. Here we go. Fleeing Kuro, I hope you guys survived this episode. It is a lot, a lot of emotion. Gareth just absolutely destroyed this score. Thank you so much for joining us as we dove into this. I can't wait for the follow-up episode. Maybe we'll have to get Gareth on for that one. That'll be a nice goal. Um, Just before we say anything else, definitely don't go anywhere. Uh, We'll be playing you out with The Sacrifice. Wow, what an incredible score. I feel embarrassed that I waited so long to listen to the whole thing, and it was probably like 10 times better than I was expecting it to be. Yeah, it's such a fantastic soundtrack, and it's it's rich with themes and melodies, and the way it's used is so tasteful and sensitive. Ori, the fact that, you know, we've gotten to the point in time where we can make games like Ori, I feel like we've finally gotten to the point where video games 
can really have the kind of universal, not just appeal, because they've always had appeal, but more in like a novelty way, that games with story, that communicate narrative, and there's like a lesson to be learned, that something like that can be as universal and appealing as a movie. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, it's like the, when you when you play through an experience Ori, I don't feel like I'm missing anything that I would be getting if this were a film by Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you don't have like characters and a lot of like dialogue and stuff, but what Ori is in some ways is so much more beautiful because it leans on its music and it leans on its visuals to do its storytelling. And what's cool about things like that is, you know, oftentimes the nonverbal aspects of storytelling are the ones that hit our emotions the strongest because it's those things we can't quite articulate. Well, and then the last thing I wanted to add to that is for me, I haven't played this game yet. I was able to watch some of it last night, but just the experience of me listening to the score on Bandcamp, I couldn't be more separate from the actual game experience. I was whisked away to this other world, and I was moved so much. So the fact that this music, I'm sure, is incredibly effective, and that was the goal and all of that stuff, but the fact that it is so good and so inventive that I can have my own separate experience on my laptop is just is just amazing. It is amazing. And it's also one of the things that's so cool about music is the, yeah. how it's like, <laughs> it can feel so specific to those of us playing the game, yet it really, music can never be that specific because it's always up for that subjective interpretation. And I think we're just so lucky as fans of video games that not only do we get the soundtracks working in the games as part of, you know, what we love about our favorite games, but we have yeah. all these amazing soundtracks that we can just carry with us in our lives. It's so I mean, true. I, I haven't been very present as a gamer for the last, you know, six or seven years, honestly. I feel like I only come in whenever there's a new Nintendo game and then I like <laughs> don't pay attention and then, oh, That's The hilarious. Last of Us 2, I'll play that and then nothing. Uh, but it's... It's like my relationship with video game music has just continued to become more of a, you know, involved thing. So it's, yeah, it is interesting and something that I think we're very lucky uh, that we're just, this is such a, game music is such a great venue for wonderful invention and a plethora of instrumental and vocal music. I mean, music. we continue to be incredibly lucky. Guys, definitely stay on the lookout because at time of posting, this coming Friday is the release of our second volume of Hero of Legend. So stay tuned online on social media and then eventually our Bandcamp and other streaming services as well. Uh, we're very, very excited to share this with the world. And I believe we are going to have an episode actually talking about it so uh look forward to that uh yeah and it's interesting i was thinking about i was thinking about hero of legend while we were recording this episode yeah i was it's no secret you know zelda everything zelda comes in three so and we've mentioned that we always plan to do three volumes of Mm -hmm. hero of legend you know we did the first one sort of eight bit second one sort of 16 bit Ultimately, not wanting to we'll give away too much about what, the what third our plans <laughs> are, uh, don't there give it away. will be some component of it where we will want to show kind of our ideal version of what a modern Zelda soundtrack could could be or could sound like. And I had a really hard time this whole episode not just thinking, I mean, this, just the sound yeah, of Ori yeah, is yeah. like exactly what I would want for my That's Zelda. Awesome. 
I couldn't agree more. All right, guys, we'll play you out with The Sacrifice. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Mr. Gareth Coker, for your wonderful music. I think that's about it. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Peace out.